This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. Hi, everybody. It is mid-October as I record this new podcast. Thank you all again for your patience. As always, I find that uh, I can't really turn on the recorder until I I feel like I have something to say. I've been busy with other things, so I appreciate your patience, like I said, and uh, hope you hope you enjoy today's episode. Today, I have written something. I don't do this very often anymore. Usually, I just turn on the mic and speak into it, but uh, today, I uh, woke up and uh, wrote something, so I thought I would read it. Okay. Enjoy. The last few days, Bob and I went to the Bay Area and brought back a new car. I feel like there's a new member of the family. Little Bolt Beep is what we're calling her. She's so cute and white. Oh, she's so white. She's so white. I, I hope she checks her privilege at the driveway. Something, though, is shifting in me. Stepping into teaching this new program I'm teaching called Women on the Verge. Changing my relationship with money. More about that on another podcast. But really, it's about relating to the world from an imaginal perspective. There is a new me emerging. And an old one emerging, too. I can't remember the, when this this way of being, this this way of knowing left me, but it did at some point, and then there was a whole lifetime of a story that then ensued. But it feels like, although this is a new me, the ancient ways are back. They are slow, simple, and foundational like earth. That is the element I am most feeling into lately, especially the last few days. Grounded. Earth has been here with me since the spring. I had a dream in the spring that a dark woman, a brown-skinned woman from the earth, not too dissimilar to Beyonce, who I had just seen on a video from Coachella, This woman emerged from the earth and was walking around civilization, a modern development, and she was ready to take charge. Heat, hot, trust birds know what to do, as does the wind chime. Bulbous cactus pot has no trouble discussing the day's news with the bird of paradise. They trust both the air and love the same. The wisteria announces herself with a bang and a show. She wants to spread her wings through seed like those who pass through the garden for sip and snack. Things are alive today. All things. And no, I have not smoked anything. I would catch a glimpse of this view, this alive view, while in Scotland, mostly. I would spend about 10 days a year there in the early summer away from cities in a rolling green countryside, alive and speaking to me. I remember the first time we flew over it, over the land, 
And every arrow in every cell of my entire body, it was like all of my DNA pointed to true north within me. I was home. This was my land, my earth. This rock with Ireland is my land, my earth, my people. Magic dripped from every moment when I was there. The portal was wide there. I'd wake up the first morning and wonder if it would show itself to me again. I'd take a walk in the wide light of the northern summer morning over toward the fields. And there it was, again, the aliveness, the magic, the dancing barley in the wind, or a stag bounding through the field. I would drink deeply from the well while there, knowing that after a few days home, it would dry up. And again, I would be demoted into the world of things and tasks and ones and zeros of modern life. These days though, I feel like there is no me and it, but more like me and you, or truly just a we. I wonder if Walt Disney saw the world this way and sourced from it to make that portal of Disneyland. Was Walt a modern shaman taking us to different worlds? At age four, when I first went there, I'd definitely say yes. And even when I go back now and let go of the corporate mindset that has infiltrated it, I can still tap into Walt's vision and magic. There is always a place that lives alongside of us, waiting for us to see it, taste it, smell it, feel it. When Thich Nhat Hanh, the uh, famous Vietnamese Zen master, one of my teachers, would speak of slowing down to see and, and, and smell and taste and, and listen I had no idea he was also opening a door. I would glimpse the view from the other side of that door while with him on retreat or during other retreats. But like Scotland, it would fade. It has been so socialized into my intellect that my, intele my intellectualization was the only way I had to be with the world figure it out, understand it, keep it at arm's length so that I could control it. I guess I wasn't ready to move from my head to my heart yet. We are all in our heads these days. It's where civilization, secular, modern societies orient from. It is and has been useful for our collective evolution. None of us, none of us would be here without it and all the progress that it's brought. But we are also in our heartbreak. The bonds to each other as brethren and the bonds to our physical natures have been broken. We've been ripped from our place in the world and each other, and we know it. We are fighting for scraps that the industrial age has created as the spoils. Things, 
as in objects, are fine. Sometimes things are great, like the stent in my father's heart that kept him alive for years longer than he would have been without it, or the airplane that can take me 3,000 or 6,000 miles in a day to visit a beloved community on the other side of the world. Technology that allows stories to flourish and be seen by millions. But these things, these are only a recent and a, a small part of existence overall. Yes, I am speaking of our stuff. So much stuff. The earth, fellow woman and man, the trees, creatures have been a constant to us since our minds awoke to our surroundings and each other. I believe we started making tools maybe a couple of million years ago. And so for millions of those years, we were in conversation with each other and with our environment in every moment in a very different way. We were just part of mind. We were all part of our mind. It was a big we. And somewhere around 40,000 years ago, they think, they don't know, we began to develop some ability to conceptualize the world in symbolic thought. And then they say that agriculture, like real cultivation, began 25,000 years ago or so. And this is when we began to be with the land in a new way, shaping it, manipulating it. But still, still we had to listen to it, respect its ways, its rhythms and cycles. But boy, then, we got busy. <laughs> Empires came and and we started to create on large scales, move people and things large distances. And this began to reorient us internally one more time. You can see it because we abandoned the local gods and the earth gods and goddesses and began to worship things like the sky gods who were no longer connected to the very land beneath our feet or the places we lived. They were this abstract being somewhere in some invisible realm. They morphed into invisible men in the sky. And we went from being in a horizontal relationship with each other and life to a vertical one. Now there was a hierarchy and Earth was at the bottom and then there were most humans and then there was like the 1% and then there was God. The great ponderings of the whys and the hows and the whats began. We shot into our heads. Many of us became full-time thinkers. And what a great thing it is to ponder, to write these words, to unfold a thesis, to build a world from ideas, to connect invisible dots. I've always been enthralled by my thoughts, probably more than I should have been. 
I come from a strong gene pool of thinkers and ponderers and communicators. And a few explorers and pioneers, too. But underneath all of that, there's always been a part of me that knew there was more. Something was missing. Lost. Forgotten. I always had a longing to go home. Like Dorothy. Having been a city girl my whole life, raised by artists who were searching for freedom and connection in many ways, naturally, spiritually, chemically, I inherited a deep sense of curiosity and independence. My father taught me to never forget community. He was a generous soul with those he felt a heart connection to. And my mother taught me to never forget the land. When I was with her in places that spoke to her, like Taos or Big Sur or the desert, I could see her settle into her body in a way that she normally could not in everyday life. It was like she could receive the support of the wisdom and love of the land that her modern neurotic self would not normally allow her to receive. She could be at home, finally. And so I can see so clearly why these days... I and, and you and, and everyone we see in person or on the TV or social media are so anxious and stressed and, and angry and, and fed up and outraged and numb, feel dead inside, hopeless, so hopeless that collectively we are shooting ourselves up and shooting schools up and killing each other and ourselves slowly, quickly, silently, or with big bangs. We are heartbroken. Our family, uh, those we walk with here, our, our fellow humans, uh, uh, the forests, uh, the shores, the oceans, the deserts, the trees, the elephants, the hippos, the great blue whale, the smallest little snail. We are no longer with them, or, or us, or, or each other. We don't feel, see, touch, smell, hear each other anymore. We are no longer connected. We all feel alone, forsaken and abandoned. The humans, the animals, the earth. And we are. We are. We are alone. But that is only because that is how we see it. But really, we are still here. Can you hear that bird right now? Announcing itself to me and to you to be a part of this conversation right now? 
we are still here. We are still here with each other, for each other, next to each other, inside each other. All we need to do is to learn to see again, touch again, taste again, hear again, smell again. Right now. Right now. Look around where you are. Let your eyes fall onto an object that is interesting, that captures your eyes. Now really look at it. Look at the color, the texture, the shape. Let yourself be curious. What's interesting about it? What's odd? What's beautiful about it? Let yourself fall in love with it. Let this thing become a thou, another being, another traveler here on this plane, on this planet with you. See its personality. Is it somber? Is it playful or haughty? See it as a friend, someone who knows your name already, who's familiar with you. It sees you. It knows you. Let it be a companion to you. We humans, we have made a lot of stuff. I mean, just look around you right now and look at all of the objects, all of the stuff, the artifacts that we have made. Unless you're listening to this in the middle of a forest... (laughs) You are surrounded by it. We are surrounded by it. And if we see it, this stuff that we've created, as dead matter, as objects, as a collection of its, then we have built our lives into graveyards. We have surrounded ourselves with dead things. We are not wired to be surrounded by dead things. No wonder we are depressed and hopeless. We live in a necropolis. Here's a little something from the poet David White. It's called, Everything is Waiting for You. 
Your great mistake is to act the drama as if you were alone. As if life were a progressive and cunning crime with no witness to the tiny hidden transgressions. To feel abandoned is to deny the intimacy of your surroundings. Surely even you at times have felt the grand array, the swelling presence and the chorus crowding out your solo voice. You must note the way the soap dish enables you or the window latch grants you freedom. Alertness is the hidden discipline of familiarity. The stairs are your mentor of things to come. The doors have always been there to frighten you and invite you. And the tiny speaker in the phone is your dream ladder to divinity. Put down the weight of your aloneness and ease into the conversation. The kettle is singing even as it pours you a drink. The cooking pots have left their arrogant aloofness and seen the good in you at last. All the birds and creatures of the world are unutterably themselves. Everything is waiting for you. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for supporting this podcast. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll let one of my friends tell you all about it. Hello, I'm Reginald Johnson. I live in the shoe. And the only thing that helps me feel like there's life outside the shoe is Kelly Carter's Waking for the American Dream. That and Chris Bono's show, Electric Bottle, on YouTube. But you know, seriously, support uh, Waking for the American Dream uh, by going to patreon.com forward slash Kelly Carlin. That's right. You could spell it out. If you just type part of it in the Google, it's, you know it's going to show up at least two, three down, if not right at the top. Patreon.com forward slash Kelly Carlin. Donate and keep this free-thinking collection of smart people and one dumb one talking about things that may actually change your life. Thanks. And before I go, I would just like to thank... Logan Heftel, as always, for cutting this together, helping me pick the music, and being a fellow traveler on this spaceship that we call Waking from the American Dream.
shared our pills when we needed hope You brushed my arm in the hall When you walked by You 